This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 76 of Go To Grandma. I'm your host and hopefully go to grandma, Kathy Buckworth. Thanks for coming by as we once again delve into fun and facts for the grandparents and the grandparent wannabes. I became a grandma at the age of 56 as a result of having my first child at 28, and then she had her first child at 28 as well. I like being a grandma in my 50s, although that decade is coming to an end for me this year. My kids right now are 31, 29, 23, and 20. I'll probably be in my 70s when my youngest might have kids, so I've got to make sure that I stay active and alert so that I can enjoy them as much as I enjoy my two grandsons today. If you're approaching grandparenthood in your 50s or 60s, you might want to glean some intel from those of us who have been there. I was so pleased to be interviewed by Sherilyn Starkey, the creator and host of the 50 Women Over 50 podcast, and to share my thoughts on the state of grandma today. I'm talking to Sherilyn today about why she started this podcast, who she chooses to interview, and some nuggets of knowledge she's picked up along the way. Sherilyn and I met over social media many years ago, but before there were social media pals, there were IRL, or in-real-life pals. One of the women I met that way was Anne Douglas, Canada's preeminent parenting author, with 25-plus books under her belt. But this year, Anne wrote a different kind of book about middle-aged, called, appropriately... Managing the Messy Middle. I had Anne on the show on episode number 61, talking about why she wrote the book and how women are managing the messy middle. But today we are delving into one particular aspect of middle age, that of female friendship and how important it is. I'm proud to count Anne amongst my friends since we met at baby trade shows years and years ago. How important is it for us to maintain our friendships through motherhood and grandmotherhood? We'll get into that. And are you finding that your home is getting harder to manage? Have you considered what the costs might be for you or a loved one to age in place and stay in that home? From healthcare to structural upgrade considerations, it's something you'll want to put in your financial plan. And our Take 5 with RBC interview today will help you start putting that together. Friends, family, females, and familiarity of home. Is this show brought to you by the letter F? Maybe, but only in a good way. Grab that coffee and pour that tea because this half hour is going to be filled with our usual facts and fun. Two more F-words I can feel free to use on the radio. I'm Kathy Buckworth. You're listening to Go To Grandma. Sherilyn Starkey is up first. Sherilyn Starkey is an award-winning digital communications consultant with more than 20 years experience working with private and public sector clients in Canada, Britain, and the USA. She has an international reputation as a social media innovator, is a prolific blogger and podcaster, and is an active community volunteer. Her new podcast, 50 Women Over 50, is a passion project in which she is interviewing women past their 50th birthday to learn how they see the world, what lessons they've learned, and what advice they have for us all. Good morning, Sherilyn. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. So I saw your podcast, I think probably through one of our social media connections that we have many of, 50 Women Over 50, and I think I kind of begged to be on it. But anyway, you were kind enough to let me on it. And so I'm quite curious, why and how did you decide to do this podcast? Oh, wow. That's a great question, because it was kind of a process for me. I've been thinking 
for a long time that I wanted to do something more creative, something that's, you know, not just work. I was feeling kind of bored and stressed mm-hmm. with so much work all the time. And I wanted to do something fun and creative. And right before the pandemic, my friend and professional photographer, Anna Epp, did this whole creative series called 50 Women Over 50 as a, as a portrait exercise. So it was a fundraiser for cancer research. And it kind of always stuck in the back of my mind that it was such an interesting project she had done. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great to actually know the stories behind all those faces? And so that's kind of the genesis of it. I was looking for something fun to do. I was looking for a way to connect with my peers, had exposure to this other project. And so it just kind of popped into my head one day. Let's do a podcast. And so here we are. And here we are. And it's funny because we hear a lot of, you know, 40 under 40, 30 under 30, which I don't mind those. Honestly, I know some people, you know, they're not a fan of those. I don't mind them. I find them a little bit inspiring. I find it's great to shine a spotlight on anybody. But age defining can be a tricky thing. So 50 over 50. I mean, I think we're thinking maybe we have some knowledge to share. Is that the idea? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And I just like there was a lot of things personally for me that surprised me about life in my 50s. And I had no way, really, in the isolation of the, of the pandemic and stuff, to connect with other women to find out, is this normal? Like, do you feel mm-hmm. this way, too? <laughs> so this is a bit of a, a construct to be able to have those conversations. So you personally, Sherilyn, what are you learning from these interviews? We're all learning a lot as we listen, but what are you gleaning from, from these interviews? Well, the, the biggest thing was like, wow, there was such a thirst for this. There was such a need for this because the reaction to the podcast has been so you know, big and, and welcoming. And and uh, I, I was not really ready for that, uh, about how excited people were going to be about this podcast. And, you know, I've had hundreds of women come forward and put their hand up and say, me next, I want to be on your podcast. I want to interview. I want to con- contribute to this conversation. So I think that's the biggest learning for me was that, you know, the time was right for a podcast like this. Yeah, that we want our voices heard and people actually want to listen to us. How about that? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I think a second thing that I, I, I'm i hearing is that, you know, the whole concept of me time, like mm-hmm. women in their 50s, they're like, like, I've done everything I was supposed to do. I've built my career. I've raised my children. I've looked after my parents. I've paid my taxes. I want some time for me now. And, I, and I'm seeing that pretty consistently across all the interviews that women in their 50s are finding ways to make themselves happy in whatever format that is for them personally. Interesting. And actually, right after your interview on this same show, I have Anne Douglas on, whom I think you interviewed as well. And I certainly recommended her book on your podcast. And she talks about that, the value of sort of self-care, me time, but a big part of that is female friendships as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so important. And and that was, you know, like I said, one of the driving um, um, impetus is for me to do this. And, uh, I, I, and I think that's why it's resonated so well. People want to connect with their peers. Women want the friendship of other women that are in their peer group, same ages and same experiences. So besides me, who is your ideal podcast guest? <laughs> I, by the way, thank you for coming on this show. And I certainly enjoyed that conversation. I'm trying to get as broad a cross section of views and experiences on my show. So I don't have like an ideal guest. I've had, I've interviewed PhDs Mm -hmm. and I've interviewed, you know, kind of blue collar type people. I've had a biker lady on, I've had, um, you know, coaches and like people with big um, professional careers. So yeah, I don't have any one type. I want to hear from all women because we all have something to, to contribute to this conversation and we all have our own 
view of the world and our own experience and our own lens in which we see life. What number are you on? You're doing 50 women over 50. So how many have you interviewed so far? Yeah, I published uh, episode 14 yesterday. I've got two more in the can and I'm uh, heading towards 50. My my goal is to have them done in a a calendar year. And so I think that's mid-September. I want to have my whole 50 completed. Well, when I did the interview with you, we focused on sort of the state of grandma today and how we're sort of reclaiming that word. And I would be remiss on this show if I didn't ask you about your grandchildren, Sherilyn, because I know you have some. Tell me about your grandkids. And they call you Nanny, I believe. They call me Nanny, yes. I got two little ones, a boy and a girl, age uh, six, almost seven. His birthday's in a couple of weeks and nine. And uh, yeah, having grandchildren totally transformed my life. I'm, I, like, I was not ready for that big of a difference. But I guess in hindsight, I'm not surprised because having your own, your first baby is the same, right? Your mm-hmm. paradigm shifts. Absolutely. Completely. And it's the same thing when you have your grandchildren, the paradigm shifts again in a different way. And uh, you have like these new humans that you're, you get to engage with and you're, and you have some responsibility for helping in raising. So it's, it's just been a wonderful experience. And you can't help but wonder, you know, what the world will be like when they're 50, you know, and you see that, right, the projection of the future through your grandkids, for sure. You say wonder, I say worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, you know, we can work our way somewhere in the middle of that. Now, Sherilyn, I'm going to be 60 in April, so I need you to start a new podcast called 60, <laughs> called 60 Women Over 60. But for those of us who want to check out your podcast right now, we can certainly find it at Sherilyn, and I'll spell that, S-H-E-R-R-I-L-Y-N-N-E on Twitter, on Instagram, at a 7. You have a YouTube channel at 50 Women Over 50, and we go there now. We can find all of these uh, great podcasts. How about how long is each podcast episode? I'm trying to keep them to 30 minutes. Oh, perfect. But, you know, the interviews go 60 minutes, and sometimes it's kind of hard to cut yeah. to 30 because there's so much good stuff in there. We have so many words of wisdom to share. Well, as I mentioned <laughs> before, um, right after this interview, people stay tuned. I'm going to be talking to Ann Douglas about female friendships. And certainly I've appreciated being a part of your friendship circle through this podcast. So thanks so much for coming on the show and telling us all about it, Sherry Lynn. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Okay, take care. Bye now. Bye. Douglas is the author of 26 nonfiction books, including many best-selling titles in the parenting category, and a passionate and inspiring speaker who delivers keynote addresses and leads small group workshops at conferences and online events. Her latest book, which was published by Douglas and McIntyre late last year, is Navigating the Messy Middle, a fiercely honest and wildly encouraging guide for midlife women. Good morning, Anne Douglas. Thanks so much for coming back on GoToGrandma this morning. Oh, I always love having an excuse to talk to you, Kathy. Oh, that's so nice. And I always love an excuse to talk about your latest book because you've only written 26. Anyway, I'm going to talk about your latest one, um, Navigating the Messy Middle, a fiercely honest and wildly encouraging guide for midlife women. And we talked about this book on episode 61, what the book was all about and why you were inspired to write it. And today we're going to focus in on chapter 12, which is a little help from my friends. And I'm just going to read a quick paragraph here to get us started. Here's something that's worth noting. It isn't healthy to travel through life alone, not at midlife and not at any other life stage. There's a solid body of research to demonstrate that loneliness can increase your risk of illness and even premature death. In fact, it's as bad as your, for your health as smoking. What the heck, Anne? 
<laughs> I know you wouldn't think of like fr- hanging out with your friend as being like, you know, a health tip, but it really is because as you just noted by reading that little chunk of the book, if we're lonely, um, we pay a major cost in terms of stress. And I, I think what I find fascinating is like, we really are wired to rely on other humans, right? So if I'm having a bad day and I'm hanging out with you um, and you're calm because we're going to get you on a really good day, Kathy, when you're yep. like, just like a Zen goddess. <laughs> um, then your calmness helps to ease my stress. So it's just, you know, it accumulates over time. And I think another thing um, women really need to think about is if you're putting all your eggs in the partner basket, uh, you might want to hedge your bets a little bit by also investing in friendships. I mean, nobody wants to think about that terrible possibility if they have a life partner, but that partner not being here anymore. But Research shows that the current generation of older adults is more likely than previous generations to have, um, you know, have to rely on friends as opposed to a romantic partner to get through the final chapters of life. Yeah. And whether that romantic partner is still in your life or not, it's still important, right, to keep those friendships going. Totally. And you interviewed tons of women for this book, which is awesome. We heard all, all bits and pieces of their stories, but you did focus on friendship with them. And what did you learn about the importance of midlife friendships through your research? Well, I think as women um, who are lucky enough to have friends, we sort of, we learn how to tap into the brilliance of other women's brains, Mm -hmm. right? And all their life experience. So sometimes it's a case of, I'm going through this weird thing. I'm experiencing this strange physical symptom. Can you relate to that? And then, you know, it's like just a wild conversation where everybody chimes in with 10,000 anecdotes, right? So there's that bit. And also just like feeling really known and really accepted because by this point in life, we may have been friends with people for decades, Mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah, they've seen you on your best days and your worst days and they accept you just the way they are. That is incredibly validating. Having somebody in your life who you can text and say, you know what, I am losing my flipping mind today. And they go, oh, it's okay. You know, you've been through this stuff before you've totally got this. And also knowing where you're coming in on the story too, you know, you're not just coming at it from nowhere. They know your history. They know what triggers maybe you have in your life. Yeah, you don't want to have to sort of say, okay, here's a set of Cole's notes to my life, you know? (laughs) Exactly. And I think you talk about this in the book, too, that we start to recognize, I'm I'm being a little bit mercenary with this language, but when to cull our relationships as well, because we know that time is finite. So it's like we want to focus on those relationships, which, as you mentioned before, bring us joy or peace or some sort of self-care. Right. I think, you know, at this point in our life, we've accumulated a lot of relationships and it's okay to distinguish between people you knew in a particular place and time. Maybe you did volunteer work together or you worked together or something like you had something in common, but maybe the friendship was based more on those inside jokes around the water cooler as opposed to something that decades later can stand the test of time. So you don't have to feel like you have to be in daily contact with hundreds, if not thousands of people. That's not sustainable you instead say like, who really matters to me? Like, I always like to think of the desert island thing, right? If I was going to be trapped on a desert island, who would I want on the island with me? And probably it's a handful of people Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, thousands. Yeah. And it's funny because when I became a grandma about three years ago, I thought, is this going to separate me from some of my friends? Because I am the first one of my friends to be a grandparent. But I found instead it's kind of been this very neat. They're like, what's it like? So things like that, you know, talking to someone who's in a different stage of life and you talk about the importance of friendships through different generations, those are important, too. 
They really are. And I mean, I remember one of the women in the book said that she'd been given a brilliant piece of wisdom, which was always have friends who are a generation ahead of you and a generation behind you so that you can, you know, you can get the inside scoop on grandmotherhood. I mean, if I ever need that information, I certainly know who I will be calling. And, um, you know, and also passing the baton of wisdom backwards, too, because, you know, by the time you've lived for many decades, you have figured out a few things. And maybe you can either just validate the experiences of a younger person or just, you know, say, you know what, I learned that this is the this is the way to deal with those kind of like, you know, nasty things that can happen at work, for example. Yeah. And it's a big leap, isn't it? Going, you talked about friends around the water cooler. It's a big leap going from those, that type of friendship to, do you want to go outside after work? You know, <laughs> and we make those leaps, I find all through our lives when we feel the timing is right. Yes. And you want to have enough capacity in your life to be able to like meet new people. It's Mm -hmm. not like you're constantly, you know, this sounds really gross now saying like you're not, you're constantly upgrading your friendship. (laughs) It is not that at all. But like, I just moved to a new area. I know nobody. So I recently wrote a letter of introduction to the neighbors. So I figured they'll either think, oh, wow, what a nice person reaching out. Or this person is a little (laughs) over the top writing a letter of introduction. Like nobody make eye contact with her in the grocery store. So you all have to report. Back and let you know how it goes. Well, I'm sure if you wrote it, it's a well written letter at any rate. <laughs> if nothing else, they won't be saying, oh, she does commas. Exactly. Oh, the Oxford comma, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, exactly. And I think in our lives, we have to be open to those new friendships. We also have to hang on to the old ones. I just got an email from my mom, my 82 year old mom this morning, saying she's going out once a month with her girlfriends for lunch. I've just decided. And they see each other regularly, but this is, I'm like, it's so cool, right? They know each other's history. They've been friends for like, you know, 50 years. That is magical. And that's, I think, what what I really want for myself. I mean, my earliest friend is somebody I met when I was four. And, you know, yesterday I was emailing a friend of a friend who lives in this area. So I'd say my my new friendship is like negative three weeks because I haven't met her in person yet. (laughs) Well, you know, an online friendships are something we have to consider as well, that these can grow, obviously, into very real friendships. Absolutely. Kathy, I never would have known you if it weren't for the internet because we don't live near each other, right? But because of, you know, the kind of work we've done over the decades, like uh, we're, we're woven into a, like a tapestry of relationships. So oh, it's, it nice. is really neat. And to have that long view, I mean, like I, I remember when you were writing your first book and mm-hmm. you remember when I was writing my first book and that was a while back. It was a little while ago, Anne, when we used to meet at the baby shows and flog our books at little tables. But you've got, <laughs> this is now, yeah, 26 books and we can find your book now. Navigating the Messy Middle, obviously anywhere books are sold. You are at Ann Douglas. It's A-N-N, no E. Douglas on Twitter and M. Douglas on Instagram and, of course, on Facebook. Thanks so much for coming back on this show, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Kathy. Howard Cabot is Vice President Financial Planning within the Family Office Services team at RBC Wealth Management Canada. He is responsible for the financial planning platform for Wealth Management Canada and oversees a team of financial planning professionals who provide industry-leading comprehensive advice and services to high net worth clients and advisors. Howard has worked in various roles within the financial services industry and wealth management for 30 years and is a certified financial planner. Good morning, Howard. Thanks for coming in studio today for our Take 5 with RBC conversation. 
Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So we are going to talk about aging in place. So when we're thinking ahead to envisioning our retirement, our retirement years, for some of us, that's plans to travel, enjoy activities, etc. But there are costs of aging that aren't top of mind or high on the list when it comes to saving or thinking ahead to retirement. Why is it so important to factor in the costs or potential costs of aging or aging in place as part of financial planning? Yeah, it's a very good question. We, we typically have not been factoring aging costs into our financial plans, typically. This is not something we've typically done. You know, people think about retirement planning, uh, they're gonna go on holiday and they're gonna save for events, et cetera, but people just sort of have assumed that they're going to age and and whatever the cost will be, will be. Um, But we're starting to notice now that costs are very, very expensive. And a financial plan can help you gain a, a really good thorough understanding of your ability to afford the various types of costs associated uh, with aging. You know, my parents and grandparents never planned for this sort of thing, never planned uh, uh, around aging. And people are living longer. They're into their 90s and even longer. And aging can be quite expensive. Uh, and so f- trying to factor these costs into your financial plan can help you understand how aging is going to impact your life as you go forward. So I think we all could sort of take a guess at what it might cost to go into a, an official you know, retirement home, but we often don't think about sort of the cost of aging in place. Do you think there's enough general awareness around those health care costs? That's a very good question, and I don't think there is a very good awareness around this. Again, I'm looking at my own situation with my own parents and, and friends and colleagues, and uh, people are quite surprised when they have to make a choice around aging uh, what those costs are going to be. And if you don't plan ahead, in certain cases, it can be almost too late to make the choices that uh, you may want to make. Yeah, so we need to really think about healthcare costs. We might need to do some, you know, structural changes to the place, that physical place that we actually live in. So what would you say are some of the main or key healthcare costs that should be considered as part of your financial and retirement plans? Yeah, another great question. From, from my perspective, there are essentially two choices. You can choose to age in your home or you can choose to move to a retirement residence or if needed, uh, sometimes they're referred to as long-term care residences. Um, But it's very interesting because uh, people automatically assume that if you're going into a retirement home, it's because you need to. Uh, And we actually see some quite healthy older individuals who choose to go into a retirement home because they want the lifestyle. Um, But if you prefer to stay at home and you're healthy enough to do that, that's great. But if assistance is required, then the cost can be quite extreme. In some cases, uh, the provincial health care authorities will help out. But there are limited resources available uh, when that type of help is provided. And then if, if additional private help is required, uh, it can be quite ex- expensive and it can get into the hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Uh, and that can be quite a challenge for some people. Yeah, I think you raise a really good point about some people are moving into retirement homes because of the lifestyle choice you're making. My parents, they live in a retirement home. They love it because they don't have to prepare their own meals. Exactly. They have a social life. They have all kinds of activities, exactly. um, et cetera. And so we can sort of in our own minds envision what those costs are and why it's costing that much. But I think it's a bit harder when we think about doing it in our own home. No, precisely. And, uh, you know, the, the issue with aging at home, I mean, I have quite a few relatives and, and friends and colleagues that have parents that are lucky enough to be healthy to, to age at home, and they get some assistance, you know, a couple hours a day, and, and that's great. 
The bigger challenge is if you need more assistance, uh, dressing, cooking meals, uh, um, help around the home. Uh, and, and then, you know, if care is needed sort of eight hours a day or even 24 hours a day, um, then there's a decision to be made. Those individuals may need to go into a longer-term care facility. But again, if you can afford it, if you have the resources to do it, then yes, uh, you know, being at home would be the, the preference for some people. Yeah, and it's something, obviously, we want to work into our financial plans. And if we want more information, of course, we can go to the RBC Wealth Management website and speak with a financial planner about how to make sure we are covering off all of these things that we might be facing in the years to come. Thanks so much for coming in, Howard, and sharing that with us. My pleasure. Friendships between women, as any woman will tell you, are built of a thousand small kindnesses, swapped back and forth and over again. Michelle Obama. If you take one thing away from this show today, please reach out to those special friends in either a personal or professional way and keep that back and forth going. Thanks to Sherilyn and Anne for showing us how important that is. Next week, everything's coming up roses. Please pause for a moment while you thank your lucky stars I didn't crack out my Ethel Merman. Or at least, if not all roses, all kinds of other flora and fauna. Gardening expert Carson Arthur will be on the show to tell us what we can be doing outdoors at this time of the year to prepare and protect our plants. And then he'll help us keep those indoor greeneries alive and well throughout the winter. Harold Smith Magazine editor-in-chief Jen Reynolds is back on the show to tell us how we can make sustainable choices when we are bringing flowers into our homes or giving them as a gift. What you need to know about the dark side of cut flowers. And our Take 5 with RBC interview will take us back to the polls, but in a good way, as we review the results of an RRSP poll and what that might mean to your retirement plans. Thanks for tuning in this week, and if I've planted a seed for you to stop by next time, that will have a smile blooming on my face, but I'll just leave it there. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to Go To Grandma. If you're listening to us on the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review, but above all, enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.